Authorities in China are now arresting people associated with Evergrande. Country Garden today faces a dollar bond deadline after dodging default twice already this month. And already, CNY is sliding back towards 730 again, which is not good for anyone around the world. And the reason it's not good for anyone around the world, because the yuan takes a holistic view about risk coming from China, not just risk of China, but Chinese problems that could potentially spill over around the rest of the world. Now, people are saying that China is fine. It's turned a corner. Recent economic and financial data suggests that maybe authorities' efforts are working. When we know from nothing more than the currency exchange value, as well as how many escalating efforts authorities are, are throwing at the currency, trying to stabilize it with, without having a whole lot of success. The latest one from the PBOC, in addition to fixing Yuan higher again in recent days, they've been selling bills in Hong Kong, hoping to soak up excess funding, making dollar shorting expensive because the more bills the Chinese authorities sell offshore, the fewer resources are available for, for Yuan shorts to borrow Yuan and to buy dollars with it. But that's not really what's going on. Essentially, China's authorities don't know what else to do. And they've done a lot over the last two months, almost three months now, to little effect. So those who are saying China has turned a corner, they need to talk with the PBOC. And the PBOC and its intimate familiarity with how the yuan continues to slide further and further. The more the Chinese have to do to rescue the yuan, the worse you know it actually is going to be. It's not just authorities arresting Evergrande staff or Country Garden missing a dollar bond payment. Those are merely symptoms like the yuan's weakness of much bigger problems and much bigger potential. After all, as we've been saying all along, there's a reason why bond markets all over the world continue to be steady in the face of oil prices and rate hikes and rate hike rhetoric and everything that should be otherwise bond negative. So the yuan, like treasury bonds or German bonds or forward rate curves, it's all packaged together in one big key indication. And that is... If anything has changed in China and how that relates to the rest of the world, it continues to get worse. And we've got a lot of data and developments to go over. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As you can see, I am back in Florida in my normal place after having traveled to Leeds, UK for the EP conference just last week. And I have to thank First of all, the European Association of Evolutionary Political Economy, that group. Also, Stefan, Olga, and Giannis for doing so much work to put this together. And a huge, huge thank you to a couple of Eurodollar University scholars who took it upon themselves to come with me to the United Kingdom and present their own little slice of Eurodollar fact to the, to the group, to the conference. And that is, of course, Isaac, Chris, and Rob. A huge thank you for, for accompanying me and joining me on this conference. So again, a huge thank you to the European Association of Evolutionary Political Economy for hosting this conference. And I look forward to keeping in touch and getting all the feedback and using it wisely. At least I hope I use it wisely. 
So in addition to trying to manipulate HIBOR, which is the Hong Kong version of LIBOR, though not in Hong Kong dollars, that's CNH HIBOR, meaning offshore yuan. What they're really trying to do is create a big fuss about fighting speculators. But as we know, speculators are not the reason why the yuan is weak. And it's not the reason why the PBOC and other authorities continually have to intervene in the currency markets. And not just authorities, also remember commercial banks because without the commercial banks, as you can see, there's really nothing holding the yuan up here. Despite so much effort, despite continuous effort, it's the weakness that grabs our attention. We're right back around 730 to the, to the US dollar in exchange value again, which is the low point from last year. It's been surpassed in just the recent weeks, but continues to want to move down. Talked about Hiber. There was another uh, another program, another intervention that was begun. The authorities last uh, last month, at the end of August, announced that they were reducing the so-called FXRRR rate from six percent to four percent. And what that was supposed to do was make more dollars that had been put on deposit with authorities, make them available to supply these interbank markets that are becoming increasingly starved of dollars. Again, this is this is a dollar story, not just a Chinese story. And of course, that was that was effective a couple of days ago and still not much of an impact from that either. In fact, that's our theme here. When it comes to the currency, those who are providing dollars to China, which is what the currency exchange value is really about, you can see they're paying more attention to the developments with Evergrande, what's going on with Country Garden, and some of the other financial and wealth management processes that are that are facing their own liquidity troubles, then, then dollar providers are paying attention to the PBOC's efforts or the constant mainstream emphasis on, hey, China's going to turn a quarter and corner any minute now. Because dollar providers, unlike the mainstream, they realize that the same people who sold you on reopening just a few months ago are now back to sell you on whatever they want to call this. Um, Stimulus success, perhaps, when there really isn't anything being stimulated. And we can see that in all the recent economic and financial statistics that have come out. Despite the fact that some of them were modestly better than they were in July, which is an incredibly low bar, it was only some of them and not really the key, cr key crucial metrics. And more than that, the balance, balance of evidence and the balance of results are continue to move in the direction of the currency or the currency is moving in that direction of all the evidence. It's, we pay attention to CNY because it tells us again, as I said at the, be at the beginning here, something about the holistic perception of China risk and China risks becoming global reality. So let's start with the currency here. Over the last couple of days, really the week, last week or so, ever since China's yuan fell down to nearly 735 on, on September 8th, authorities have been back at it, trying different things. This, the hybrid tactic, there's the FX reserve, um, commercial banks have been selling. You can see them in the marketplace too. And of course, the same tactics from authorities. They're trying to fix the daily midpoint higher and higher again, to the point that today, the midpoint was at 717.36, which is the highest in quite some time. Um, and, it's, and again, they've been fixing it higher ever since September 8th. Um, at the same time, though, the market rate, the market exchange value continues to sink lower and lower, which today leaves us at the largest discrepancy between the Fed, the, the Fed between the PBOC's midpoint and CNY since September 8th. So keep throwing everything, keep fixing stronger to the point that the 
currency exchange value is getting closer and closer to that 2% limit, which is supposed to be a big thing, but the market, again, paying attention to developments with Evergrande and Country Garden and everything else in the property sector, not financial authorities. When it comes to China's economy, which in part is what Yuan's weak exchange value is reflecting, another development just recently, China's authorities decided, the PBOC decided they were going to cut the RRR rate, which is the reserve requirement rate, which is applied to banks inside of China, not the FXRR rate, which is, which is applied to FX deposits outside of China. The internal RRR rate for most banks, including large banks, has been has been cut, which already tells you, already gives you a sense of warning. As I've said for many, many years, you see the Chinese authorities cut the RRR. That's not a good sign. Even though in the mainstream, whenever this happens, you'll see stories talk about how much liquidity is unlocked and being, being made available. This latest RRR cut last week was no different. We heard about how it was going to free up over 500 billion yuan, and you just have to shake your head at all of these things. You shake your head at that. It's like QE talking about pouring trillions of dollars in the real economy. These RRR cuts don't pour Remnimbi into anything either. Instead, we can go back just a couple months to March 27th, which was the last time Chinese authorities cut the RRR. And of course, that didn't have much of an effect either. When you look back through the history RRR, ever since really 2011 and 2012, when they've been cutting RRR, that tells you the authorities can see the weaknesses, the financial and economic weaknesses, along with currency problems and everything else. RRR cuts are a warning because when the Chinese authorities are cutting them, it's a response, a reaction to what's going on in the rest of the global economy as well as risks in China. So today's or this week's RRR cut, last week's RRR cut, no different here. It doesn't free up renminbi to fix the situation. It's a it's a last-ditch attempt to try to throw things, throw something at a situation that continues to get worse and worse. So for all of those people who are saying that China looks better here, the RRR cut begs to differ. It begs to differ in historical, empirically established fashion. Some of the recent statistics, the most recent statistics, including just today, foreign direct investment. You might remember I mentioned this last, last month when it came out for FDI statistics for July, the Ministry of Commerce, something happened, there was an incorrect number there. But either way, foreign direct investment continues to fall behind further and further from the last several years as companies around the world are looking at China and saying, we're not sure we want to really be involved here. The risks are too high. The financial problems are too high. There's political issues as well. According to the latest numbers from the Ministry of Commerce, accumulated FDI for August was minus 5.1%. That's year over year, year to date. So all eight months up to and including August 2023 compared to all eight months up to including August 2022, down 5.1%. They did not release the dollar value, so... I've just estimated what it's likely to be when those numbers come out. So you can see it on the screen here. But either way, foreign direct investment continues to contract, as do a lot of other things that supposedly have been fixed. China's house price index, after rising for a couple months during reopening, but never all that much, 
that has rolled over to the point now that it's down for the second straight month by 0.1% on a year-over-year basis. That's July as well as August. And more importantly, the August monthly change was minus 0.3%, which was the worst contraction, worst monthly contraction in 10 months. So if we realize that China's biggest problem is in its property sector, that's not good news. Nor was the uh, statistics from the PBOC, the financial st statistics report, as well as total, total social financing, which many people took both of those to be quite positive, to be the start of the purported turnaround in China's economic and financial system. And the reason was because the July numbers, if you recall, we talked about that, the July numbers were absolutely horrible. So we have a very low standard for July and August. The numbers appeared to rebound, but that was mainly because of government interventions there too. Aggregate financing to the real economy in the month of August up 12.3% when, when you combine July and August together. So we're taking the worst month with what's supposed to be a good month. And if it was really a good month, it would make up for July, a good month in August that would make up for July. But what you see is that 12.3% year-over-year combined July and August compared to 2022 July and August, it's very misleading. It's misleading in that we're comparing to some lockdown months in 2022, but more than that, what really increased the uh, aggregate financing to the real economy in August was government bond issuance. We've talked about this before too. China's government uh, basically commanded that local governments speed up their borrowing in corporate, uh, not corporate, but local bonds and start putting some of that to use. When you look past China's government bond issuance to just RMB loans in the total social financing statistics, what you see is that RMB loans combined July and August together were down 2% year over year compared to July and August of 2022. And worse than that, Compared to July and August 2019, back before the pandemic, RMB loans in those two months combined, minus 20%. So the only positive, if you want to take it that way, in the credit statistics for August was this government bond borrowing. That's not a positive. That's merely, again, another tactic by authorities trying to stabilize a situation that will not be stabilized. And we can see that too in the rest of the RMB statistics, the credit loan, the credit and lending statistics, including household loans, which were positive in August compared to the ne shocking negative in July. But even positive in August, it was one of the lowest increases in household loans in China in any, for any August going back a lot of years. So not a lot of activity. And that course backs up the statistics that we just talked about in terms of housing prices. China's consumers, as well as China's home, bu home buyers and savers, they're just not buying the recovery story. And we can see that, of course, in the economic statistics themselves, the big three, industrial production, retail sales, and fixed asset investment. Even though most people have said the fact that uh, the August statistics in industrial production and retail sales were better than they were in July, therefore, again, China's turning a corner the truth is they weren't all that much better and they weren't meaningfully different. Industrial production was up 4.5% compared to 3.7% year over year in July. Retail sales 4.6% compared to 2.5%. Again, it sounds a lot better, but 4.6% retail sales is still horrendous and not really different than the 2.6% in July. You can see clearly 
consumer spending, like industrial production, still on the same low, actually zero growth trend. One that the optimists couldn't explain away was fixed asset investment. Fixed asset investment continued to decline, decelerate down to 3.2%. That's on an accumulated year-over-year basis from 3.4% in July. Private FAI, which gets us into the property sector, continues to accelerate to the downside. Now, minus 0.7% accumulated year-over-year. That's worse than the minus 0.5% accumulated year-over-year. Again, that's private fixed asset investment, which had never been negative outside of 2020 before. So... What that brings us, what that leaves us with, and I'm going to leave you with something that I wrote for our deep dive analysis because I think it sums up everything that we're talking about here. Local governments are borrowing more waste. Private credit remains at a standstill, not unlike 2022's lockdowns. The economy is stuck in the same no-growth rut of industry and consumer spending. Productive investment is so unproductive, the private sector keeps doing less of it, and an accelerating rate, by the way. And the ridiculously weak currency, which reflects all those things because Eurodollar providers don't fall for the nonsense narrative, has the PBOC chasing the ghosts of Hong Kong speculators past and doing all sorts of other things. Chinese authorities are escalating their tactics to try to stabilize the macroeconomic as well as currency situation, which is really a monetary and financial situation, and having very little effect. Sure, this couple of statistics were better in August and July, but that doesn't mean as much as it sounds. And more of the key statistics were actually worse in August than at any other point. So pay attention to the currency because it's not just about China. It's not just about recent times. It's about a holistic approach to risks of China to the rest of the world. What information can we get from a falling CNY currency? There's quite a lot and it's not telling us that China has turned a corner. I want to see more about some other recent developments in China. Check out the video link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers and our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.